Annie. I'm Cece, and this is Spela Golf. Hi, Cece. Hi, Annie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Before we get started, I just wanted to welcome our new listeners. We are now going on episode 13. Can you believe it? I know. It's been so fun. It's going by so fast. I know. I really enjoy it. But just quick reminder, um, I guess Spiela Golf. Have I gotten better at saying it? Kind of. Spiela Golf. Golf? It's close. <laughs> it's close. It's close there. It means play golf in Sweden because that's where Cecilia is from. Yes. So. I know. So I'm Cece, born and raised in Sweden, and I am a PGA teaching professional. And I'm Annie. I was born and raised in Arizona, and my goal is to become an LPGA Tour player. That's right. So if you are new to us, this is just briefly who we are. So we always start our episodes with highlights. Um, so my highlight this week is that my partnership with Women on Course is now live and they introduced it yesterday. So that's exciting. I've been getting a lot of messages and just, I don't know, it gave me a little spark. <laughs> that's so exciting. I know. So I'm very pumped about that. So some may not know what exactly is Women on Course. Is it just? Oh, good question. So, well, I have an app and that's my partnership. So the app is Structured Practice. So for every shot category, um, so putting, chipping, pitching, bunker, and full swing, you get a video on just setup and like fundamentals, and then you get a drill. Um, so for putting, it might be putting off of a ruler, you know that drill, um, to have a square face at impact. So that is the drill, and then I'll give you um, like a challenge. So put 50 golf balls from 10 feet how many did you make? And you're going to fill that out in like a little tracking sheet. And then at the end of the month, you can see if you made any, any progress. Um, so that's how it's structured. Um, and I, I just believe in it because I think everyone needs structured practice and consistency is key to being successful. Um, so anyways, I have been, I just launched it in May. So it's been going through the summer um, and it just allows me to be creative and allows me to reach out to a lot more people um, all over the world, which has been fun. Um, so I just signed this contract with Women on Course. It's an organization. It has over 60,000 members in the U.S. Um, and it's a way for women to meet up. And it can be social hour. It can be a structured golf clinic. Like it's just for women to get together, to play golf together and get to know like people and meet friends and all that. So I'm super excited. I'll be hosting some clinics for them and, and all that. So I really look forward to this next year. I think it'd be really fun. That sounds so exciting. And you're going to be helping me. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll I'm talk so more excited. about that. Yes. I'm uh, so excited. But either way, enough about me and my week. I actually received a phone call last week. Um, this was probably, was it Wednesday perhaps? Yep. Yes, Wednesday. And it is one of my students' uh, dad, and we're, you know, friends. And he's like, hey, he's an architect for uh, resorts and hotels and all that. And he's like, hey, my company is sponsoring, um, like, this event. It's like a pro-am um, for the Epson tour. And I was wondering if you wanted to play. And I said, Matt, I really appreciate you. And I think this is so awesome it's going to be hard to just leave. 
like I have a job, I have two kids and I know priorities. I talk about it all the time, but I also think that there would be someone else that would appreciate this opportunity more than I will because I've experienced a lot of fancy things in my days so far. <laughs> and so who popped up in my, my head? I miss Annie Brown. Um, and as we, if you've listened to our podcast so far, um, Annie has a lot of anxiety. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and so even though her name popped it up in my head first, I was like, man, this would be the best opportunity for Annie. I didn't think you were going to say yes because it was way too close to the actual date of the event. Oh, of course. I it was Oh my yeah, gosh. He called me on Wednesday and it was on the following Monday in Utah. Yeah. And so I was like, man, this girl is going to have a heart attack. So I had to like plan out the phone call before. And so I was like, I texted you and I was like, are you free to chat? And whenever someone texts you that, it's almost like, am I in trouble? Uh, well, a little bit. When yeah. you said that, because it was it was the day of the member guest tournament mm. and it was at nighttime. And so I was done with the round or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, maybe she wants to hear about the member guest day, <laughs> day one, how it went. And then you call me and, and talk about me for this stuff. And I'm I'm at first like, okay, you know, because you're like, Great. this is a pro-am. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity yeah. before you turn pro and, and I start playing. pro-am means that you actually get to play with a pro. Yes. So it's a way to like socialize and, and all that. So you'll have one pro in the group, which is pretty amazing because this is your goal. This is what you want to do. So to be able to hang around a professional golfer like that does this for a living. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And it was exciting, especially when you called me. I barely could sleep that night because I'm just thinking because I'm a planner and I need yeah. to know things, you know, that's six months ahead me. of time. Yeah. That scared me a little bit. I said, ooh, she's going to have about I did the four research. days. I know. Four days to really decide because I call my parents and I'm like, I just got invited to play in a pro-am. And I'm thinking, okay, I it was not a lot of information given to me. And so um, I was thinking, oh, this just must be me invited. Like, oh, I'm just going to the pro-am. And then you gave me Matt's contact info. And then we started communicating and figuring out. And he says, you can bring your own team. And who's the team? Parents, you're coming with me to go play golf at a pro-am. Their first, it's my dad's like first ever tournament. My mom's been a part of the league and stuff, so it doesn't. But it's like our first, I mean, this felt big. This is serious. It yeah. is. I mean, this is literally the tour to the LPGA. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we got things all planned out, hotel books, flights and everything. So last minute. I mean, I think this is like the biggest thing I've ever done. I know. I'm really proud of you because I honestly did not think I was 99.9% .9 sure you were going to say no. I know because I also was a little bit, oh, I'm going to Utah already this weekend again for another tournament. So I'm, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go to Utah twice then. But I'm like, Oh, it is such a good opportunity and mm. thinking about it and researching it. And so we committed and said yes. And I had to call, like schedule things and our group, our group names and just get everything situated. Yeah. And I think that is one of the most proudest moments for me. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know, like you're, you're good at so many things, but when it comes to like quick things... <laughs> you freak out. And so I really have to think about how I present things sometimes. <laughs> but now I know, like now I know. But so I'm super proud of you. And 
And I think it's so great. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more. Like you can read your way to knowledge, but to be there and experience it and like be with someone that you want to be eventually, right? Like that's our goal. You can't beat experience. Yeah, exactly. So it's just so cool. So tell me, what was the format? What was, how how was this all set up? So I'll back it up. So this was, okay, it's Labor Day weekend on Monday. Um, we got a flyer for the information and stuff and it showed breakfast 6.45 to 8 a.m. And so I get my parents out of bed. I'm like, we're getting up at 5.15 and we're getting ready to go because it was about like at 35 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And we are the first ones there. My mom's like, we're sitting in the car waiting for more people to come because I dragged them out. <laughs> I was so like, we'll be there. And so we were able to walk in, check in and... um get a light breakfast and stuff. And we were still waiting. We didn't know exactly what was going on because there wasn't a flyer with information or anything. And so just kind of chilling. And then there were some players. I could tell some girls coming in. And then it was around 7.15. I think we headed outside to go warm up and hit golf balls. Now, we were unlucky and it was raining. Who cares about the weather with an experience like this? Rain? I know. So it was awesome. And That's so, like a true Arizona-born child. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're able to warm up on the range, even though I'm just like, it's so different entering the environment where, you mean, you have that huge Epson tour, like um, a screen, you know, with the ads. And then you just have um, the, I, I'm trying to think of what you call it. Like um, basically it was set up like if you're going to the Phoenix Open, I don't know, I can't think of the word, but chairs and everything set up and just very, it's so an Epson people tour. Could- come there oh yeah oh for the event for the event not for the pro-am but for the event people come and watch uh, yeah i know but they just are like setting it up and stuff and so it's like wow these are this is the road to the lpga and Mm -hmm. it's especially there's only i think a couple more tournaments left so these girls are kind of going towards the end of the season and so it was cool being there and having warming up with them and so i mean i was a little nervous i mean it's just different you know and then soon we get to our carts, they call us, and um, we were got paired with Kendra. Dalton is her name. She was super awesome to play with. And I recognized her through the Cactus Tour, her name. And so we hop in the cart and we go to hole six. And they did clarify with us like over the microphone, if this is a scramble format, everyone plays blue tees. Oh. And my mom, we were like, she's not playing the blue tees. I'm sorry. That is just, she's not going to play 6,500 yards. Oh, I'm like, it's just unfair because then we would never use her ball. And so we're like, you know what? She's playing the red tees. Oh, okay. like, and she's like, I don't want to play the blue tees either. Because, well, I mean, how would that be fair? You know, like only to follow the rules. I don't no. know. How's that? I fair? was like, there was a, 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 one of the range guys, I think, came over and they were like, oh, yeah, you have to play from the blues. But he's like. Kendra's like, she's fine. I mean, because then it wouldn't be fun at all yeah. if we're never, you know, my mom's well, there to play. Pick their ball anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Make it a good experience. Yes. And you so, played from the blue tees. Yes. Right. And so um, I'm trying to think. So it was still raining down pretty hard on us. Five, first five holes, I think we got one birdie. It was my mom. She made the birdie putt. Oh, all of us, so it was just fun. It was like our first birdie. But then after five holes, I mean, it started to come 
hard. Mm-hmm. And Kendra was like, let's just go inside and take a break because we're already so soaked. Even though I had rain pants and stuff like, you yeah. know, jackets, we just went and took a break inside before we went back out and played the rest of the round. How many teams were there? Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there mm-hmm. one on each hole? Yeah. So probably mm-hmm. 18, 18 teams. I think maybe some had like, oh, you're on 1A or 1B. Yeah. So it might some, have been like 24 or yeah, something. Or something around there. And so um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, it was cool. It was fun. So it's good rain. It was awesome um, being with Kendra because she bombed that golf ball. She hit it. How far, far. did she hit it? Uh, she probably hit it 260, mm-hmm. 265. And so in we'd always the in the fairway. Oh, every time Ooh, in the girl. fairway. And so um, we would use her tee shot a lot. And then we kind of all balanced each other out because then sometimes, oh, I had hit a good approach shot and then she made the putt or Kendra mm-hmm. hit one really good one onto the green and my dad made the birdie putt like oh, as a okay, team. Dad. And it was so fun. You know, it was just so fun being in that being like, hey, they're having a tournament here and I get to go out and play this course. Yeah. And so that's what just made it so fun just being there. And even though, yeah, it was pouring rain, I'm like, we got 18 holes in. Well, it's a pro-am, so it should be fun. Yes. For you, you should just be able to like just enjoy the moment. Mm -hmm. But what do you think was your greatest learning lesson from Kendra? I'm assuming you asked her a lot of questions. Yes. Yes, I did. What do you think something she said that's super important that you can take with you? I think if anything, I asked her do you think the short game or the long game is more important? Because that's always been one of my things I talk about is I'll get annoyed. Oh, my short game's great, but the long game's not. You know, I'll work more in short game. I'm like, my long game's not anywhere. She basically was saying, if you're a long game, if you have that type of shot you want to hit down every time and it's becoming consistent, she's like, that's where I've decided to spend more time on short game. Because mm. it's almost like you have the long game. Yeah. And so now, okay, it's time to be super precise with, bunkers chipping pitching because if you miss the green you want to get a par yeah and so chipping and putting is really crucial for low scoring when you don't hit the green and so that's kind of was felt like my biggest takeaway too and I gotta hit the ball farther (laughs) that's one thing too I gotta hit it farther because playing well you're getting there yeah six being 6,500 yards because that's what the LPGA I mean she told me they go up to 6,700 yards oh it's very long oh yeah it's very long I mean a short short distance would probably be 6,400 yeah but that's most of the time what it is. And especially the par threes. I was really happy. They were 200 yards. I had to get my three wood out of the bag and I got on the green mm. like twice or just what by the she fringe. from 200? She would hit, um, I think, her four iron or okay. uh, hybrid, I think, on one of yeah. those. Because we started having wind okay. like towards the back. Like this was not an easy sunny day scramble yeah. for us. It was tough conditions. I think just watching her and her pre-shot routine, I learned a lot from that. And so, and just being able, she just generated a lot of power. And I noticed that in a lot of the girls out yeah. there playing. And so. Did she have any advice for you? Um, like, what's your, what's your next step? Like, what should you focus on? What's. I didn't really ask her in that way. Like, yeah. oh, what do I need to get back? Because I just kept asking her the questions. Yeah. I just, um, my mom just asked more like about life on the Epson tour and just about how like financially it is very expensive and just how a lot of 
Epson Tour doesn't get a lot of attention and sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what's really hard. And so I was able to have a good conversation with Kendra about sponsorships and like, how can we get more sponsorships to the Epson Tour? How does she pay for her way? Did you ask her? Does she have sponsors? She like has personal? a few sponsors and stuff is what yeah. she told me. And we were running out of time. So I didn't have a lot of time to ask her yeah. that. But she would have said, I was like, would you like to be on our podcast? And she said, yes. Oh, I can't. So we would have to. So we'll do a little interview with her oh, um, be later so down the road. And so we'll be able to talk more about that and what it's like being on the Epson tour. Because yeah. she told me she's been doing this for three or four years now. That was my next question. Yeah. She's been on there for a couple of years, but she told me she's like, I feel ready to be on the LPGA tour okay. with the experience. And so yeah. it's cool. So I just asked her questions about how the Epson tour works and just kind of, it's just different. I don't know. It's so. It's way different. Cause yeah. I think too, like for the cactus tour, which is like the local tour, not local. Yeah. What would you say about the cactus tour? It's like yeah. the first step in being around other professional golfers that are wanting to go on the Epson tour. But when you pull up there, there's no signs. There's no, like there's one guy on the first tee box giving you your scorecard, but there's no environment. There's no tournament environment. No. And and it's it's even more like, even when you go to college, it's more because you can feel it. It's like that feeling of walking up to the golf course and, you know, even in college, like everyone's wearing the same outfits with bows in their hair and like everyone puts their bags in the same spot so you see like the teams and it's just different like Mm -hmm. it's very different and I think that's something that you have to practice too it's just being in that environment because it is scary yeah and I asked her I had to ask her I always ask the process do you get nervous when she's and she's like yeah a little bit but you just get so used to it when you become a tour player it's just what you're comfortable doing. Well, because you're in the environment. Yeah. You're going to be uncomfortable at first, but that goes for everything that you do in life. Like I just started this like networking group just to, I just love learning about people and their businesses. And I think it's just so fun. Like, I don't know, helping them for them to help me and whatever. And like I told you before we started, like you get 60 seconds to talk about your business. And I'm nervous walking up there at first because it's like new people. And you know, I can speak in front of a hundred thousand people. It doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. but that for some reason, because it's new, I've only been doing it for three weeks. I'm like, oh, it gives me a little nervous, but give me like another two and it's going to be nothing. Yeah. You know, so I can see that. Yeah. So the best thing that kind of leads on to a little bit of today's topic um, that we'll talk for a little bit. My mom, for after five holes, she's like, we haven't even chipped yet because we would hit the fairway and then we would hit the green. Mm, fairway boring and green. Golf. Boring golf. Seriously, that's all we do. She's like, I haven't even touched my wedge. And I was like, yeah, same here. I'm used to always getting walking up to the green with my 56 degree and a butter. And so hit the I green. Think that's, I mean, that that should be a major learning lesson for you. Like, man, this is this is so easy. You if I hit just green. hit greens, I don't have to carry my 56. I don't have to wear it out as much as I do right now. Yes. And okay, this is a side note about the scramble, which was uh, fun, is a par was basically your max. If you didn't get a par or no, yeah. if you didn't make the birdie putt, you just picked it up. Yeah. And I was like, that was awesome because it totally helped with pace of play yeah. because the winner shot, I think, 14, 15 under. Yeah. 
We were minus six, so that still felt good. Hey, six birdies, I felt with good. With mommy and daddy, I now. was like, "Hey, they they put in the work." And That's so, right. yes, but um, yeah. So, kind of today, I wanted to ask you a little bit about putting and chipping, and especially, I feel like it's common. I mean, for me, back when I started, is four putting, like four or five putts, is what would gain all of these extra strokes. And so, I'm just curious. I don't know from an instructor's view. How do putting and chipping balance each other out? Do you lean more one towards the other if you're a beginner? I don't know. What are your thoughts on putting and chipping? I have a lot of thoughts, (laughs) (laughs) per usual. Um, I see yesterday when I was teaching, so I I usually set up either a putting drill or a chipping chipping drill for the day. And then I have like my students, because I want them to feel like they're accomplishing something when they come for a lesson. So we're learning a lot, obviously, as we're doing this drill. But Walking away knowing that you accomplished something, I think is huge for your confidence and you feel like you were productive and you spent your time well. So yesterday I set up this putting drill and we have a six foot circle around the hole. And then I took three steps from the circle. So I don't know, maybe six feet away. So the first cone was six feet away. The next cone was um, 12 and the third was 18 feet away. And then I had made that four times. So I had my students start from the shortest one. They had to make it in a circle. When they make it in a circle, they move back to the to the next one, but they have to make it in a row. So this drill is about speed. So how do you adjust your speed? Now, what I noticed was for my more experienced golfers, they could have a conversation with me and do this at the same time. Because they're just like, oh, like they missed it, but that was because they weren't focused. And so I do that sometimes with them. I have a conversation with them to see if they're going to actually do their pre-shot routine, um, making sure, you know, like, are they doing what they're supposed to be doing or are they just kind of guessing it? Because then there's no point in having any type of drill, right? So my more experienced golfers were able to finish this drill in probably seven to 10 minutes. Um, I did have them go all the way back if they missed it. So like three times four is 12 cones. So they need to make it from 12 cones in a row with six feet in between. Um, Now for my more inexperienced golfers, I had mm, a few people yesterday that's only played golf for like a month or two. Golf is hard. And what I realized is that I mean, I didn't realize this, I've already known this, but they have a hard time with speed control, a very hard time. And even on the first couple of tries, just from six feet, all they have to do is make it within a six foot circle. That sounded (laughs) not great, but the drill was to make it within six feet. So even on the first cone, they missed the six foot circle because their speed control was off. Does that make sense? So like they had three feet in each direction of the hole to make it from six feet out. Interesting. And they had a hard time getting it in the circle. And it wasn't like they were consistently short or consistently long. It was short, long, long, short, left, right. Like there was no consistency whatsoever in their miss. And then when they finally got that under control, since I'm making them start all over again, if they miss, they have to start from the shorter cone. Now they became 
quickly adjusted to the short cone because they're like, oh, I don't have to hit it that hard or, oh, I just need to keep my form, which is for me the most important thing. Like keep your form and then just correct your speed after that. Now, when they moved back to the second cone, they had a really hard time figuring out how hard to hit it or they just launched it across again. And they're all so disappointed because they're like, I just don't understand. And that's kind of the key word. I don't understand why I'm short, why I'm long, why I'm left or why I'm right. So when I was teaching yesterday, and this is how I always teach, I would rather you be consistent in something. So if you are consistently short, at least you're consistent because now you're practicing your swing and your stroke and the speed and the rhythm. If you are short one time, long the other time, three times long, five times short, there's no consistency and you're not adjusting to what you need to be doing different. You're just building up frustration of, why can I not do this? Why is this so hard? I'm only six feet away from the hole. Like, why can I not get this in the circle? So as they were moving forward yesterday, they started from six feet and they're like, okay, I got this. Like, I can do this. I don't have to hit it very hard. See, now they're actually putting focus in what they're trying to do. And as they were from the farthest cone from 18 feet, yes, I wanted them to be in the circle. But realistically, if you just split that up into three steps, so from 18 feet, your first putt has to go to 12 feet. Your second putt goes to six feet and the third putt goes in the circle. Now you're at least consistent in your stroke. And getting closer to the hole. And getting closer to the hole. Got it. Does that make sense? Yes. So when you start putting and you have four or five putts, you need to be intentional about what you're trying to accomplish. If you're just like, oh man, this hole is really far, so I'm just going to whack it and hope for the best. No, no, no. Like have a plan, like split it up into three, split it up into four. Like you don't have to whack it. I would rather you be consistently short until you get there because then the next time you putt, all you got to do is hit a little harder. And now you can get those four into threes and then threes into twos. That makes sense. So like when you're first starting out, it doesn't need to be, oh, I have to two putt this because you need to no, learn how to control. Goal. That's long term. I yeah. even still have three putts on times we because you just, it's not perfect. And so you can start at, okay, now I understand consistency, getting it to this distance mm-hmm. and this one, because then it will become even better through past times. But instead of going all the way past the hole, then all the way forward mm-hmm. and going in all these different directions. And then you just pick it up because you're like, I'm done. you're stressed, you're frustrated, and you're annoyed because you're an adult and you're not understanding how to putt. <laughs> and I say that all the time. There's a difference between understanding like our brain. Okay, like I hear what Coach Cece is telling me to three putt, but how does my physical body actually do that? Those are two different things and very important to, to know the difference. Like when I tell you to do something, Just because you don't do it doesn't mean I think you're stupid and that you don't get it. It's just your physical body is having a hard time adjusting to speed or whatever the drill is. But it's the same thing in chipping. I see a lot just overhitting because I really need to get to the flag. No. Well, yes, but what's the plan of getting to the flag? What what is your plan of attack here? Because intentionally... We're like, I'm going to make it in the hole, right? But the hole is only four and a quarter in diameter. It's very small. (laughs) And so if we miss the green, we should do the same thing. Like small swing is always going to be more successful. 
So if you have a small swing with a pitching wedge, a small swing with a nine iron, it's going to roll a little more and your misses are going to be way smaller because you're not trying to hit this rainbow pretty looking shot. So we're just trying to get it on the green. And then from there, we're going to have the same plan of attack with the putting that we just talked about. And all of a sudden you're going to see how your scores are going to go down. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I'm like, from listening, I mean, I think that's what's going to help you break a hundred or even when you get to maybe a little better long game, break 90. I mean, that putting and chipping is a key thing. I feel like with lowering those high scores Mm -hmm. and it's all about rhythm. Like with the with the full swing, so what you talked about earlier with Kendra, and she was like, when you figure out the shot that you want to hit and you can do that consistently, so we call that a stock shot. So this is our stock shot. That's what we call it. This is what we go by. So if I have a little draw, that's my stock shot. I don't have to think about it. I just have to swing it because my brain and my body is now working together, right? But if I'm asking you, okay, I want Annie, I want you to hit like a, I don't know, a slice that starts left going right. Now you have to start thinking about it and then you have to communicate with your physical body. Okay, body, we need to start this left to go right. So now I need to swing left with the open club face to do th- Like that's a lot of thought that goes into that. Right? <laughs> I know, I'm having to imagine what I would do yes, right now. <laughs> exactly. And it stresses you out a little bit because you're like, no, 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 my stock shot is a draw, which is just like a little, little baby left turn for you. So starting a little right of your target and then just, drawing back in to where you want to go. That's your stock shot. So for chipping, it's the same thing. We need like a little stock shot in chipping, which should always be a small swing because it's a higher success rate and then just picking the right club for that shot. So if you pick a sandwich with a small swing, it's not going to go anywhere because it's too lofted. So it goes up and down and then it stops. There's no roll on that. But if you do a small swing, like a little more than a putting swing with a pitching wedge, or a nine iron, you're going to see that roll and you don't have to worry about missing it so much. But tempo and rhythm is key in being successful around the green. Yeah. And nothing to do with strength. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And especially I'm thinking, um, you have even taught, um, junior golfers putting and chipping. I feel like it's always been the start for when I would do junior clinics with Mm -hmm. you because you always set up the best drill around the world. You would literally set it two feet from the hole and then you'd have to make it and then three feet, four feet, five feet just for juniors. And even as an adult, even I will do it for short putts and you're just going around the world. I feel like putting and chipping is a great way to go into learning golf, if that makes sense, like at the start. because It's not as frustrating as full swing (laughs) because you're not using so much swing. And I think it's a great way to start learning how and why. I think there's a lot of people out there, players and instructors and coaches that never explains why to a student. So then you're just out there doing it because I told you to do it. But then when you leave, you can't tell your friends why why you're doing it that way. Why am I blading my chips? Why yeah. am I topping? If you're just showing me, mm-hmm. you, I need that explanation yeah. from you. Why am I putting too far? Why can I not get it in the circle? Why, why, why? <laughs> it's your favorite yeah. word, why? I know, and your and swing me. instructor, Drew, he, I said this in a, in a previous podcast, but he always tells us that until there's no more whys. Remember he said yes. that to us? Because I'm like, why am I scared? Why am I worried about hitting why? What's your why? Why are you so concerned about that? There's always an answer. 
You just have to find it, right? So if you come to me for a lesson, I'm going to give you that answer. If it's like a physical thing like putting or chipping or whatever, mentally that's a little different. But I never want you to walk away from a lesson not knowing why you were doing what you were doing in that lesson. But that is what I see mostly is just the, the huge inconsistency around the green. And that gets you in trouble because I see a lot of amateurs just launching their balls across the green because they are taking too much swing and then they realize they're taking too much swing so they stop and then they blade it <laughs> or there's they a lot of things chipping going on. it too short five yards another yeah. five yards and then and it takes that might three be shots. because there's the, lo- the wrong club they might have the perfect swing for it but not understanding how the ball reacts to different clubs so a nine iron is going to roll more than a sandwich and you can see that on the loft of the club if if the loft is pointed up you're rarely going to get any any roll on it. But a nine iron points a little more down, which means you're going to get a little more roll. Um, but that's what I would say around the green. If you can tighten up your game around the green, but then it is true what Kendra said too. Like when you have your stock shot, then you don't have to worry about it so much. You just know. you know. And what you said too, you were asking if she was nervous. She's probably not nervous because she's not doubting her swing. Like she knows what she can do while for you, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you step up on the tee box, you're not there yet. You're not a hundred percent sure where this ball is going to go. So you can visualize it, but you still don't really know where it's going to go. Cause I lack the trust of myself a little bit that I can actually hit a draw. And maybe the experience of hitting enough great shots mm-hmm. to know that you can do that. You hit a lot of good shots, but there's still also those shots where you're like, oh, that's man, gone. I sliced it. Shit out of that <laughs> or one. I hooked it, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's a huge part of it too. But yeah, tighten up your your game around the green. There's so many like videos and and stuff that you can watch on YouTube about how to get better around the green. But before you do anything, you have to understand why, because that is the only way that you're going to get better. That's my input for today. Thank you. I felt like today went by so fast. Oh, I know. This episode, I'm like already looking at the time. Dang, this went by so fast. I know. Well, hopefully for you guys that are listening, you're taking away some of our stuff that we tell you. And my greatest learning lesson is always why. Why, why, why? (laughs) And we'll end with that. Why? See you later. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to share the podcast.